Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we break down the advancing teams, there are we are down to our final four. As we get ready for uh, some excellent matchups uh, and see who is going to be playing in the October finale. Uh, as always, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn for all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice. Uh, come hungry, leave happy. Uh, beautiful fall weather in Wisconsin. Beautiful fall colors means driving time, means people coming out to the popcorn wagon. It was unbelievably busy this weekend, and we ran out of kettle corn, caramel corn, almost ran out of cheese corn at the very end there. So I uh, exhausted, exhausting days, but I'm not going to complain. We have one weekend left. So if you haven't had a chance to, to get out there yet, uh, take that opportunity next weekend for the... Uh, for the fall finale of the uh, World popcorn Series wagon, fall finale of the world of the popcorn wagon. That'll be the start of the World Series week. So you stock up your popcorn when the, you can before the big games. Yeah, uh, if uh, you hear snoring or if all of a sudden there's a clunk and Corey passes out, don't worry about it. Uh, we'll uh, the show must go That's on. That's right. You'll have to do it by yourself. Solo show. Uh, that's a scary thought. Uh, but <laughs> the. Uh, for us here, we're going to take a look at a news and notes. We have a couple things we're going to highlight. We're going to look at Going, Going, Gone, uh, the uh, AL and NLDS, uh, those series. We're going to recap what uh, happened in the past week in baseball and then preview the uh, starting uh, ALCS and NLCS matchups and who our predictions are uh, of what the World Series is going to look like. So let's start with uh, a, a passing. Uh, we've had a few of those recently. Uh, yeah. Here, a lot of uh, big names. It seems like each week we've had a big name we've had to talk about. I think we've gone from Lou Brock to Bob Gibson to now Whitey Ford. Yeah, Whitey Ford, another guy, kind of like Bob Gibson, entire career with one team. His is 16 years, all with the Yankees. Six times he wins the World Series with the Yankees, 10 times an All-Star. Uh, there's a reason he's in the Hall of Fame. You look back at the numbers, and they might not be mind-blowing by today's standards, but the innings eater, absolutely an innings eater with a sub three career ERA, uh, a true legend. Consistently reliable. Yeah, uh, absolutely. not flashy, but got the job done. Uh, Hall of Famer and uh, uh, you know, lots of uh, positive uh, baseball memories from uh, an amazing career. Yeah, he misses. He's another one. We don't, you, you don't remember it. He misses a couple of years in the middle yeah. of his career. His is the Korean War, right? So. <laughs> Early on, we talk about it with those goats when we were back there because that's the time of World War II and the Korean War. He's post-World War II, but right in the middle of the Korean War. So his prime 22, age 22 and 23 seasons, he's gone. And he comes back, and then he rolls, reels off double-digit wins for, let's see here, 1953 to 1965. So 12 straight years of double-digit wins with some incredible winning percentages in there. Those are some real good Yankees teams, obviously, and that's how you win six World Series. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers with uh, Whitey Ford's family. Uh, as we look at uh, some current baseball information, Ray Hoskins, Philadelphia Phillies, uh, injured, had successful UCL surgery, but not Tommy John. Yeah, I didn't. So maybe it's different just because he's not a pitcher. Obviously, when we hear UCL surgery, you think Tommy John because that's what we hear most of the time because pitchers get it done to their elbow. But Reese Hoskins needed it on his elbow, and so he plays first. And what we're the timetable has been told is four to six months, which lines up nicely to be back in time for spring training. He started the year this short season frigidly cold. I believe he was at about one seventy-five through thirty Below games. Below the Mendoza line, and he got it up into the two thirties. So he he actually was getting real hot before the injury sapped him from the rest of the year, and actually it probably cost the Phillies their chance to actually close that last gap and catch. And make the playoffs, which I thought they would, and catch the Brewers. But hopefully he's good to go in spring training, and it's a normal 2021, and he gets a full spring training and a full 162-game season in. Philadelphia definitely struggled with uh, the last like 10, 10 to 12, 14 games of uh, key players getting injured, even missing a couple of games were being done. And so that was uh, a hard one there. Uh, 
the last news and notes, again, there's not much right now as we're just in the, the thick of playoffs, and so we're not going to do anything with offseason questions until we get there. Uh, but the person who is going to be dominating uh, the headlines because he loves to dominate them, because he's the ultimate troll uh, for uh, giving journalists something to write about. Trevor Bauer is pretty much trolling every city. Uh, The person who was born for this era's free agency with with Twitter World, uh, he did that with... uh, uh, how many how many places are we up to now? Who was the first big one? And it was big news until they realized what he was doing. It was like I think we've seen Baltimore, Atlanta. He tweeted that Boston plane ticket, uh, New York. He's talked about New York. He said that Los Angeles would look good. So basically, every large market team so far that's either still going or has the ability to pay him, he has mentioned something about them. And like you said. This is Trevor Bauer at his greatest, right? He was he wants all the spotlight, and he is not afraid to let it be known. And so some people, like I think you've mentioned before, you either love Trevor Bauer or you hate him. Personally, I kind of think it's funny. It's kind of quirky. I kind of liked it, but there are people that just detest him. But if he's going to sign for your team, you're going to love that because this is a guy who's likely to win the Cy Young Award here. Well, we'll talk about him more in the offseason. Can you explain what the difference is with him? Normally when you see uh, someone who is at that level looking at winning the Cy Young uh, you're looking at uh, you know, getting a nine-figure contract, and you're looking at like what uh, Garrett Cole did this past year. That's not most likely not going to be the case with Trevor Bauer. He bets on himself every year. That's his thing. He wants to bet on himself. He will sign one-year deals after one-year deals after one-year deals. He said he will never sign more than a one-year deal. So he was a free agent last year, and he ended up in Cincinnati. So he signed his one-year deal. I'm not entirely sure what he got paid this year, but... He's a free agent again this year, and he said, I will only sign a one-year deal. So without going too deep into it, you expect it to be in the $30 million range for one year. And I've said, we will do predictions later on. I think Atlanta makes a ton of sense. They have young pitching. Max Fried's been great. Ian Anderson's been great. They're still playing. They don't have, I mean, Max Fried's, I said, they've been wonderful. Trevor Bauer is a lockdown rock solid ace that you can rely upon. And he said, part of his thing is he wants to pitch on three days rest all season. We haven't seen that in my lifetime. If, if he's going to do that, then he's worth every penny of that if he truly can pull that off because that's an extra 10, 12 starts over the course of a season. On a one-year deal is worth trying, never on a long-term deal because you're afraid of long-term injury. Uh, but uh, here's why Atlanta makes sense. Just on a brief note, again, they signed Josh Donaldson to a one-year $23 million contract. They've already done this before. They have the the financial wherewithal, especially with the deep playoff run, uh, uh, to do that, especially when there's no long-term commitment. It's for a one-year thing, and then you see how it goes. So we'll see what happens in the offseason. Uh, but speaking of uh, going, going, gone, uh, as we look at our ALDS and NLDS matchups, let's start National League first. There was Braves and Marlins, and uh, the Marlins had the the young uh, young talent uh the young pitching. You're distracted. Uh, they, I, I'm a little bit distracted. You are distracted. We are, okay, so we, uh, <laughs> side note, we are up in the, the living room this time, uh, just getting a chance to uh, hang out up here, but we have the, the Rays and uh, uh, Astros going game one of the ALCS that we'll preview in just a little bit here, uh, but we are in the fifth inning. and uh, The Rays just took the lead for him, so he, he's, one. he's I'm got a happy stuff guy. going on here. I'm a happy guy, but uh, National League, Braves, Marlins. Marlins with the... Uh, all the young talent, everything that is taking place uh, with them. They're a team that you're excited for in the future, but that future just isn't here yet. And it's, it's a lot like the Blue Jays, actually. Where This is a learning year. The Marlins are not done completing the playoffs. I don't believe that. But the Braves were the better team. That's been that way all year. They were the higher seed. The Marlins certainly didn't embarrass themselves. The Braves, though, have yet to lose a game this postseason. That's how good they've been. So game one, uh, we saw Max Fried versus Sandy Alcantara and some of their strength pitchers that's what we expected neither one of them pitched up to what they were supposed to do actually that was a the one of the rare high scoring games the Braves have been in this year it was not without its fireworks as Ronald Acuna was hit yet again by the Marlins that is five times in the last couple of seasons uh not what exactly what you want to see and so he was hit 98 miles an hour right in the butt and uh while it was a problem, the Braves went on to win 9-5. to five. If After the game, he let it be known that you got to hit me to get me out. And then game two came up, and he went 0-4 with a golden sombrero, struck out all four times. So 
last laugh, though, still goes to the Braves because game two, their 22-year-old Ian Anderson, who I've said on this podcast, I think Ian Anderson's pretty good, but I think he's more like a number four or five starter, went out and he has yet to give up a run, 17 and two-thirds scoreless innings to start his postseason career, which is just absolutely incredible. Been the difference maker for the Atlanta franchise. Again, what, what have we said all year? Atlanta has offense for miles. They need pitching depth. They have no one behind free due to all the injuries and things that have taken place. Ian Anderson has stepped up and been that key uh, rotation starter to give them more more depth in that uh, rotation, and others have stepped up too. That their pitching has been the thing that's I mean, their offense has not been as good as I think we thought they'd be. Their pitching has been great. They've set some. They've at one point they gave up runs in only three of their first forty innings. Uh, they were one of only two teams in the modern era to have shutouts in three of their first four games in the postseason. Here's the deal, though. Without the off days that are going to come up, they need to win these series quickly because they are literally going with a three-person rotation right now. I don't even know if it ever gets to a game four. And this, in this case, there's seven games we're coming up to in this National League Championship Series. I don't know who they're going to pitch that fourth day because right now we know it's Freed. We know it's Ian Anderson. And then in game three was Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright outpitched Sixto Sanchez that day. Six innings, no earned runs. Sixto was not particularly good. He gave up four and three innings. So at that point, they're at four shutouts in five postseason games for the Braves. That's what we've seen so far. It's four shutouts in five games. Did you ever think we'd be talking about that with Braves playoffs earlier in the year? Absolutely not. And not especially because I didn't even think Kyle Wright would be up on the team at this point in the year. I thought we'd be talking about Cole Hamels or remember they had Felix Hernandez months ago and it seems like two seasons ago. But no, this was a team that we thought they'd win with their offense and their offense, other than game one, they scored two runs and five runs. So certainly nothing to, you know, five runs is fine, but not the offensive juggernaut we expected. That's what's fun about, uh, you know, this is why you play the games, right? You can build up all the, the storylines that you think of, and then the, the games happen, and you have all sorts of different scenarios. Uh, but uh, again, uh, Marlins, you, you love their long-term future. Uh, they they were the anti-brewers in terms of the one-year deals, uh, but they picked the right veterans, and they all clicked. Everything came together. Corey Dickerson, Jesus Aguilar, like it all came together for them to give them just enough offense to go with their young pitching, and they were one of the season's biggest surprises. So uh, congrats to the Marlins. This was a successful year for them, uh, but we'll see what they do in the offseason as well. Braves are going on to face uh, the other team uh, as we look at the uh, other NLDS round. Dodgers-Padres, again, another divisional uh, matchup. Uh, as as has happened throughout this year, the Padres have had a an amazing year. Fernando Tatis Jr., one of the biggest uh, young stars storylines from this year. Uh, but Dodgers are always that much better uh, all season long. It's it's been that way, uh, and the Dodgers pulled away here as well. Well, let's start with a surprise. Mike Clevenger actually pitched in this series. We didn't. I didn't expect that. I don't think it, from what we heard, we didn't expect it. He went out in Game One. First Walker Bueller, and he made it one inning, and then he had to leave. I don't know if you saw it or not, but in the second inning, he came out for the second inning, and he threw a couple of pitches that were about 78 miles an hour and fastballs, and you're like, wow, what is wrong here? So the Padres, they, they tried to get what they could out of him. They made the big trade to get him. I believe he's still signed for a couple more years. So this Padres team's not done from competing, like you mentioned. They're a little ahead. I would say they're a little ahead of the Marlins in their development. This is a team that I think is going to keep competing really, really soon here. But – that second, that first game, the Dodgers only got four hits, but they all came in the same inning. Tingler got ejected, and that's all it took. Dodgers won five to one because the San Diego only managed three hits. So then we got to game two, Davies versus Kershaw, and once again another fine postseason Kershaw outing. Uh, Davies kept the game close for a while, but Bellinger hits a big home run, robs a ball, and then at the bottom of the ninth, it got interesting because the Padres loaded the bases off Kenley Jansen, and Joe Kelly came in, who is another player who is not afraid to let you know what he thinks. Uh, he walked Machado and Tatis, and but got Eric Hosmer to ground out to end the game. Dodgers six, Padres five. In game three, we finally saw Dustin May this postseason. The surprise was, so it's a three-game series at this point. The Padres did not pitch Chris Paddock, and we had not seen Chris Paddock yet. And yet they went to Adrian Morion. So I, something seems wrong with Chris Paddock. And I've always thought Chris Paddock is a little overrated because he has two pitches. Yeah, it's uh, not a lot was given uh, from that. Uh, but this was a 
again, you would like to see what the Padres could do at full strength. Uh, the moves that they made, uh, the team that, that was most aggressive at the, the trading deadline, they added pieces for now and for later. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal was lights out uh, uh, all year long, but especially with the Padres. Uh, the moves were right. like they, they made the right moves. It just, from injuries and from a couple other things happening, they weren't at full strength versus the Dodgers, and you need everything to go right, every ball to bounce your way, if you're going to have a chance against this juggernaut in uh, in L.A. So that last game there, Justin Turner, we should mention Justin Turner, he sets a Dodgers postseason record. He got a 64th postseason hit. If you have a Dodgers postseason record, that shows just how long Justin Turner has been good player for the Dodgers. Uh, Will Smith also went 5-for-5 five five in that game as a catcher, the first ever catcher to have five hits in a playoff game and only the ninth one ever to do that. And they scored 12 runs in that last game in a game where they didn't have any home runs, just showing how versatile that Dodgers team is. At this point, both of these teams, the Dodgers and the Braves, are 5-0 and this postseason. And I wouldn't say that either one of them has been particularly challenged yet. I would agree with that. This is a team that hasn't been pushed. Uh, and that's more of a testament to how deep they are versus the, uh, the Padres' talent level. It's just that's just how good... Uh, a complete team. Uh, I think we're both in agreement that this is Major League Baseball's most complete team. Uh, and uh, uh, it's going to be an interesting series that we'll talk about between Braves and Dodgers. I think that one's going to go... I think that one's going to be one of the longer series that we see. I don't think that one's going to be a sweep for either of these teams. I hope I hope we get to see some of the depth that both those teams come out because right now I kind of want to see the Braves' offense take off a little bit here. Let's move to the AL. Which one do you want to start with? Oh, let's do Astros and A's. Okay. Uh, Astros A's starts with game one, Lance McCullers versus Chris Bassett. So this is the series where the ball is just, I don't know, the ball was juiced. I have no idea what was going on in that series, but the ball is just flying out of the stadium. So very first game, you had five home runs in the first four innings, including Alex Bregman, who's had the weirdest stat you'll ever see, and that he homered every October 5th now in the last four years. Uh, I'm sure that's a uh, Jason Stark special right there. I don't remember where I got it from, but it's sure. That game ends up with 16 hits for the Astros. Uh, Carlos Correa tacks on a couple home runs himself. And at that point, the Astros won that first game 10-5. to Game two went to Framber Valdez, who we're watching pitch. Actually, I think he might be out, but he pitched tonight versus Sean Manaya. And another day, five home runs in the first five innings. And another day where the Astros bullpen is yet to allow an earned run. So through the first six games of the postseason, the Astros bullpen had not allowed an earned run, and they were up two nothing before you could blink on the A's, and it looked like yet another sweep in this postseason. But the A's got their win game three. Lazardo versus Arquiti. Neither pitcher, once again, particularly effective. Uh, home runs aplenty. Altuve, Diaz, Lastella, Canna, Olson, Simeon all hit home runs. Chad Pinder got a late home run. I don't know. The ball, it was flying out of Dodger Stadium, which does not usually happen. It's usually a pitcher's park. And that's the same thing with the San Diego for being normally a pitcher's park. So two questions. First, uh, what happened to the A's pitching? This is the team that's built on pitching and home runs, right? Now, they're the, the, the mashing team uh, in, in the American League, what they have now. Again, they suffered a major injury uh, closer to the end of the year with uh, Chapman. Uh, but... Pitching is supposed to be one of their staples, and it didn't show up. It did not. They, Other than Liam Hendricks, who had a nice three-inning save in that last game, their bullpen wasn't good. The starting wasn't particularly good. They get to game four. Frankie Montas was real bad as a starter, and for some reason, Bob Melvin, who I consider to be a pretty good manager, just left him in there in a game that they had to win. So the, the pitching didn't show up, and... We, I think we said last week the Astros have a better lineup. I think we both thought the Astros had a better lineup than the A's. The A's have a lot of guys you'd consider grinders. They grind out at bats, try to draw a walk, but this Astros team's really deep. They're showing it tonight, too. The I labeled this uh, recap going, going, gone for, for multiple reasons, uh, and especially the home runs. Like We started talking about it here. Uh, there have been more home runs hit in this series than uh, anywhere, uh, I think, at any other time uh, for yeah, this. It's, it's been uh, amazing to see just how many long balls there have been in all of these playoff games. So this is a Jeremy Frank, so it's MLB random stats. 
Uh, this was October 7th, so I'm not sure which game this was after. I'd have to go back and look. At that point, 64% of the runs scored in the postseason had been via the home run. Even in the regular season, it's only 44%. So it's not a coincidence. It even says right on here. That's definitely not a coincidence, but w- this postseason, if anything else, has shown the true three outcomes. It has been home runs, walks, and strikeouts. There's been a lot. Of, we've seen games that set strikeout records, right? Trevor Bauer and the Braves. That was a strikeout record. We've seen walk records. That was the Yankees versus, who was it when they walked 19 times? Is that the first? Who did the Yankees beat first? Oh, the Indians. That one game, there was the walk record, and now we've seen home run records set. So it is, the baseball's been going to those three true outcomes for the last couple years, and this postseason has been a display of it. Uh, Game four of that Yankees series, we kept going. Excuse me, the Astros series. The Astros won 11-6 in that one. With, I said, more questionable management and more home runs. I believe that series set the record for the most home runs in only four games. Yeah, such a uh, unusual series. And the Astros uh, take this series. Uh, it goes the, uh, a team that definitely had the offensive talent, but again, didn't see it a lot in the regular season. They had to use one of the the last uh, playoff spot in an expanded playoff season to make it in, and now they're only uh, four wins away uh, from uh, going to the world back to the World Series. So let's go to the last uh, uh, American League uh, divisional round, and it's it's best if it's set up this way. We've uh, we talked about that at length uh, with the uh, theatrics that have come from. Uh, two teams that, as Kevin Kiermeyer, center fielder for the Rays, said, we don't like them and they don't like us. Uh, they mentioned in the sharing the same hotel for this series uh, just how much they uh, avoided each other. Or uh, Brett Gardner for the, the Yankees said, I saw a guy in, in the hallway and I just said, hey, and looked away and just walked past him. Uh, so these teams, it's been a two-year-plus brewing battle. Uh, guys getting hit, benches clearing, and then it gets capped with Aroldis Chapman throwing a 102-mile-an-hour fastball at Mike Brousseau's head. And again, Kevin Cash, uh, Rays manager, after that game, goes off, and a new moniker for that team uh, is uh, is made. And here's his comments one more time. Um, we've gone battles, and look, you're going to get some of this at the time when you're playing a short season with so many games. But it's absolutely ridiculous. It was mishandled by uh, the Yankees. Uh, certainly the pitcher on the mound. It was mishandled by the umpires. They hit Joey Wendell intentionally in the first inning. It was clear as day. Chapman comes in. He throws three different balls up and in. I get it. They don't like being thrown up and in. But enough's enough. We're talking about a 100-mile-an-hour fastball over a young man's head. It just it makes no sense. It's, it's, it's poor, poor judgment. Poor judgment. Poor coaching, it's just poor teaching what they're doing and what they're allowing to do. The chirping from the dugout, I I mean, somebody would have to tell me, go pull the numbers, who's hit who more? Uh, But I can assure you, other than the three years ago, there hasn't been one pitch thrown with intent from any of our guys, period. Somebody's got to be accountable. And the last thing I'll say on it is I got a whole damn stable full of guys that throw 98 miles an hour, period. That's Kevin Cash uh, with the new moniker, The Stable, that stuck in Tampa Bay. Uh, The relievers had a uh, shirt made uh, to go with it, uh, and uh, it has stuck with uh, social media. There's uh, someone else that made a shirt on BreakingTea.com that is uh, sold out. Uh, So the the Rays Stable, uh, especially for a team built on pitching and defense, uh, has definitely stuck, and now you get to these two teams with their history, ALDS, uh, and uh, it is a full five-game knockout, dragout, back-and-forth affair, uh, and uh, Garrett Cole does uh, uh, at least enough in game one, uh, but uh, it was the the meltdown in the eighth. The, the Yankees were ahead by one or two runs, uh, and then John Curtis, who's actually pitching right now uh, with the lead, had his worst game uh, of the season, worst game of his career, couldn't find the strike zone, and gives up a bunch of runs. He couldn't even get an out. He couldn't even get out of the inning. They had to finally pull him. They just wanted to get the, the innings at that point because uh, the game was pretty much over by it, most standards, uh, and they still had to go to another bullpen arm. 
Uh, able so, to grand slam to Giancarlo Stanton in that last, end of that yep, game to really yep. make it look like it was put out. Of, ended up being nine to three. It was not that big of a big of a run deficit most of that game, but it ended up looking like a blowout. Shane McClanahan made his debut though in that game, got the final out, and and good for that was a perfect time for him to get the the, the beginning jitters because again you're making a major league debut in a playoff. I think game. he was the first pitcher to ever do that, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so, uh, and uh, that was good for him to get it there because. He was an effective uh, through an effective inning uh, in a, one of the different games here uh, for it. And he's a left-handed pitcher who can throw 100 miles an hour. Uh, another another addition to the stable, uh, and uh, again a someone with a, with a high uh, high upside future for the for the Rays. Uh, but in game two, the Rays come out and uh, uh, answer back. They they get the W in that game. Uh, you have. Uh, uh, Again, Charlie Morton, Tyler Glass now in, in games two and three. Uh, they do exactly what the Rays had hoped for. They knew they were not the the advantage was not in their favor in game one, but they feel confident in game two and three. They get those wins. Yankees come out in a game four situation, do or die, uh, and they force a game five. And as you look at the battle of the Pirates. Yeah, right. Uh, and uh, there's our Pirates positive. Uh, we're going to see postseason one in there. Sure. They have some really great players that they all got rid of, and now they're doing just fine in the playoffs. Way to go, Pirates. Tyler Glass now is very good. Garrett Cole is very good. Austin Meadows is very good, and you had them all. Charlie Morton. Uh, Charlie Morton, move. that's right. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, Charlie so Morton, we, if you go back a little further. Yeah. So you have uh, Garrett Cole coming back, and I said I was nervous for that one. I didn't want Cole again. Because that's flashbacks to last year. That's how the Rays lost to Houston uh, in another Game 5 situation. Garrett Cole dominated. Tyler Glass now was doing something different where he was tipping his pitch. It was not a trash can situation. Uh, he was tipping his pitch, uh, and they nailed him in the first inning, and the Rays never recovered. Uh, in this one, they hung around, uh, and uh, Austin Meadows hits the the game-tying home run 1-1 one to one in the fifth, and it goes into the – as it keeps getting deeper in the game – at least for me, I started feeling like they have a shot in this yet. The, the more it gets to the bullpen, the bigger, the better the chance the Rays had was. The be- I would say it like this. I think I texted it to you. The Rays have one more bullpen arm than the Yankees, and that was what made the difference. So I don't. They got three innings, I think, out of glass now, and then Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole earned that contract. Like for all the, they lost that game. Obviously, the Yankees are going down to lose that game. Garrett Cole gave up one hit and five and a third innings on a few days rest. So Garrett Cole pitched incredible, but. The eight Rays were able to turn after Glass. Now they went to, I believe it was Anderson after that. Nick Anderson has been incredible all year. He pitched just fine. And then they have uh, Diego Castillo and Peter Fairbanks. And they have a they have a stable of men down there that can throw very hard. And after Garrett Cole went out, the Yankees really only have two or three guys they trust. I, is that Adam Adovino must be hurt because I haven't seen him in forever. I must be hurt. I really expected to see him in game five and didn't hear I why they didn't they go, didn't go to him. him. They went to, I believe right after Garrett Cole, went to straight to Zach Britton for Correct. a couple innings, and then they said, well, we're all this champion. You're the one that last one we trust, so let's see if we can get you three full innings uh, after he had just pitched. So they tried, and I'll, I'll let you take it. This is well, this is your story here, man. The, well, the... Uh, Hollywood couldn't write a better script. Uh, I was watching uh, uh, this game with a couple of friends, a few non-baseball friends. Uh, my uh, wife is a uh, uh, a baseball fan on the fringe, uh, knows enough about the, the history here with the Yankees because she has to listen to me at length, uh, but enough where I, I lean to her and say, you know, the, the batter here, Mike Brousseau, he's the one who Chapman threw over his head 102 miles an hour. And before I could finish the sentence, she said, yeah, wouldn't it be great to see that, but you can't expect that here. Nope. About 30 seconds later, a 10-pitch at bat. That was uh, incredible at bat. Yeah, he just battled o- back. I think he it was, was 0-2, 02, right? Yeah. Yep. And uh, then gets a hold of one, and you could tell it was he was timing it up because he got one where anytime you see a batter where it deflects off the bat and goes straight uh, to the backstop. You're close. You're that close. You're close. And finally, he gets a hold of one, and it goes into the seats. and uh, Bullet. You you knew again. I, I always measure something by how does the rest of the uh, the baseball fraternity react to something, uh, and not just Trevor Bauer who will comment on anything. But you had people across baseball talking about what a game, uh, talking about that moment. Tommy Pham, who wasn't part of this year's history with the Yankees, but was with the Rays last year, he uh, did the mic drop on Twitter by saying, "Success is revenge." 
and so ultimately, the Rays get the last word uh, on this uh, series. They uh, send the Yankees home. They advance to the next round. Uh, and uh, like I said, Mike Brousseau, an undrafted uh, player, uh, was 150 pounds soaking wet in the college, uh, worked on getting uh, uh, muscle mass, and uh, when he finally got to a team, just doing a little bit of, of everything, whatever they asked of him, and the one thing he did consistently throughout the minors was hit. Uh, and he is a platoon player. He a, has a, a role player with the Rays. He hits left-handed pitching. Uh, and he struck out the night before against Chapman, chasing the high heat. This time he held back. He connected on one and uh, now has a story to uh, share with his kids and grandkids down the line. For for all the hype about the throwing at stuff, and I will say it was an excellent series. Both teams had, a, once again, another series where there's tons of home runs. I think Stanton, at one point Stanton had five straight games going back to the last series where Huge he was series he, he was incredible. The, the Yankees offense came into play. The Rays offense was there too. Uh, no real bad blood in that series this game. Like I said, Acuna got hit in the butt in his game, and that one had some bad blood. The Astros and the A's we thought could have bad blood didn't really show up either. The A's and the Yankees generally they seemed, kept it in check. Yeah, they, they, they kept it. They in kept check. it in check. The Astros and the A's had Mike Fires was the only pitcher in the A's. I should mention that the only pitcher the A's had that did not pitch in that series. Uh, that was one we wanted to see. So yeah, for all these divisional series, and we wanted to know there's a lot of bad blood between a lot of these teams, other than Acuna getting hit. All the teams seem to focus on winning, which when you've only got five games and you have to win three of them. With no off days. Win the games, right? Just get revenge. Like you said, Tommy Pham said, revenge is winning the game. <laughs> so let's take a look at the uh, the series that are coming up. We have uh, one matchup left in the American League and one in the National League. Winner goes to the World Series. Uh, let's go back to the National League. Let's look at Dodgers and Braves. Uh, and I'm more excited for this series than I would have thought two weeks ago. Uh, the Braves pitching is, again, coming together. Now it's, it, the script has been flipped, and now it's the Braves pitching that is leading the way, and their offense is doing just enough. Yeah, uh, yeah so, that's right. So let's look at the at the uh, the matchup this way. We're gonna ask, or I'm gonna ask you uh, first, why Dodgers? Why you think they they'll win it? Then why Braves? Why you think they'll win it? So let's go with Dodgers first. First off, we should mention this is the first tomorrow night is the Monday night when we are talking right now. Tomorrow night will be Monday. This is the first series that we're going to see that has fans. So that's a whole new part to this. Is that that is going to have fans in it? I believe it's one. 20th of the capacity there's only gonna be about what was it 11,000 fans I think that's the correct number but something like that that so that'll be a whole new experience for all these teams for this year because they've played 65 games at this point without any fans and it's going to be interesting to see the the makeup of those fans because again there's no like quote-unquote home team here nope. this is in a, a different uh, location uh, so you're gonna hear a lot of cheering uh, but I think it's going to be cheering for, for both sides. I, I would agree with that. So if we're looking at both these teams individually, they are very equal. Uh, if I'm going to go with the Dodgers, once again, I'm going to go go back to the fact that they have they, they made the move to get Mookie Betts. I'm just going to cut it down to one player. They made the move to get Mookie Betts. In this postseason, he has done exactly what they've needed of him. I watched him hit double after double against the Brewers. I watched him have multiple leadoff hits against the Padres. Set him up to drive him in. He gets on base. He bats leadoff. He gets on base for them routinely. And then it's just trust the rest of your lineup. And they have such a deep lineup. Corey Seager has never done anything all year except hit. Cordy Bellinger finally might be starting to come out of it a little bit. But while I believe that Braves also have a very strong lineup, they do not have a player who has won an MVP award batting leadoff for them. Mookie Betts is the reason the Dodgers can win this series. He has been everything they've wanted him to be, uh, and and then some uh, all-around player, uh, leadoff hitter, getting on base, stealing bases, hitting for power, uh, and he has uh, been the engine behind this very good offense, consistent uh, throughout and in the postseason. Uh, so, yeah, there's uh, a lot of things to like about the Dodgers. You can pick, here's the difference. You can pick five or six guys from the Dodgers and say, this is why they'll win and make a very strong argument. There's not that many teams you can say that for. That's the depth of the Dodgers, the elite depth of the Dodgers, 
is a very good reason to say why they'll win it. Uh, whether it's Mookie Betts or Clayton Kershaw or Bueller or you can pick so many names here. Uh, all of them would be a legitimate uh, candidate for this. If we flipped to the to the Braves, if the Braves are to come out on top of the series, it'll be because of what reason? Their bullpen. It has to be their bullpen. Their bullpen. So if you have four shutouts in five games with young pitchers, these are not guys going eight innings. They've been getting a six out of Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright and extremely happy about it, but they've turned it over to that bullpen, and it's been incredible for them. We've talked about some of these guys. I voiced my displeasure about Will Smith on this podcast multiple times, the contract they've signed Will Smith to, but he's been everything that they've needed him to be so far in this postseason. He's yet to give up an earned run, right? Mark Melancone, their closer, Shane Green, Chris Martin, Darren O'Day. These are veteran pitchers. All those guys are in their 30s. They are veteran pitchers who've done this before, they have experience. You got to get a lead against the Dodgers. You have to pitch from the lead against the Dodgers. If you fall down early, they will just keep coming after you. Get up, get five innings out of Max Freedy and Anderson and Kyle Wright. Get a lead somehow, even if it's a small one, and then trust that that bullpen can do it for you because they've done it so far against the Marlins and was it the Cubs they beat first? No, the Marlins beat the Cubs. I don't remember who they beat first. I'd have to go back and look. Reds. Reds, you're right, yes. Pitch from the lead, win the game. I'm going to go the other way on that. If the Braves are going to going to win this, they need that that NL leading offense uh, to do what it's done all year. They've been MIA in the last series. They cannot do that and expect to beat the, the Dodgers here. Even if their pitching does well, they need that offense to do more. They need a little more cushion uh, to be able to stay and hang in these games. Uh, so I think if the, the Braves are going to win, though I have a different X factor that I'll talk about, but but if the Braves are going to win, you need Freddie Freeman. You need Marcelo Zuna. You need these guys uh, to be as good as they've been in the regular season in this series if you actually want to go and hang with the uh, the Dodgers here and potentially pull out uh, a World Series appearance. The offense is – I have the offenses marked down as washes. Both of these are two of the best three offenses in the game and probably the best two still going. Uh, you can go all star for all star almost on both of them, and I I, I kind of hope we get to see some get some offensive run production going in that game. It would be uh, uh yeah I, I'm more happy with a five to four six to five uh, type of thing versus a one nothing two to one type of a situation. So who's your X factor in this series? I'm gonna go with the Brave, and I'm gonna go with Kyle Wright, and that's just because I trust Max Fried, I trust Ian Anderson. Kyle Wright was great in the last series. He only got one start, six innings. He got the quality start in there. He gave up, you know, three earned, or actually gave up no earned runs, but he was great. Now, that was not the Kyle Wright we saw in the regular season. That was not even close to the Kyle Wright we saw in the regular season. In the regular season, he had a 521 ERA. He walked over almost six guys per nine innings. That's not going to fly against the Dodgers offense. You cannot do that against the Dodgers and win. Now, with in this series... You got to be able to. There, I said this is a seven-game series now. As the series keeps getting longer, the depth of these teams is going to be tested. The Dodgers have pitching depth four days after Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller. They can roll out Tony, Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, Julio Urias. They have so much starting pitching depth. I don't even know who the Braves are going to start in a fourth game. So they need Kyle Wright to be able to give them a chance to win Game Three because otherwise, this game, this series could be shorter than we think. It's definitely going to come down to Braves pitching to stay in this, to give their offense a chance. Uh, I picked Ian Anderson uh, with it just because they uh, Kyle Wright is going to be needed to especially push this all the way to uh, a World Series shot. But if, if Ian Anderson doesn't keep up what he's been doing, they've needed that number two pitcher to go with. Uh, he's going to be tested in a way that he hasn't been yet. I mean, obviously, Kyle oh, Wright will, too. All of them, right? Uh, but, all, none of yeah. these guys have, I mean, other than the first five games they pitched here, none of these guys have experience. Clayton Kershaw, for all the unnecessarily hate I think he's gotten about his postseason woes, he's got, like, an extra season of pitching in the postseason. He's been there so often. These guys are just doing it for the first time. So, Absolutely. At, at this point, it's the Braves have moved into the Marlins role that we talked about. They're playing with house money right now. You got nothing to lose. You are up against the massive favorites. We talked about the Dodgers when we From did this. Start to finish. This middle of the, the season. Team. This is the team that was been the power rank. This has been the top team all year. So, and now you're playing spoiler alert. Go out there and do what you can. What is your prediction for this series? 
I would I would love to see the Braves go out and make it a series. Uh, I didn't mention how great Travis Darno was in the postseason. He's been incredible. Six for ten last series, two home runs, couple doubles. That I would love to see him go out and, and pound out some hits against the Dodgers hitters, but the Dodgers are so insanely deep. And they just I think this is their time. I they have great defense, they have a great offense, and their pitching is there. I, I have the Dodgers in six games. I have the Dodgers in six as well, but I think the storyline is going to be Kelsey Jensen blowing a save, uh, making uh, making uh, Dodgers fans and Dodger manager nervous, uh, and going to be a storyline going into the World Series. Uh, but uh, Dodgers, their depth, they're just too good. Uh, so again, I think the Braves are going to give them a good challenge, but Dodgers in six. Let's flip the uh, to the American League. Let's look a talk Rays and Astros. Uh, why don't I have you begin this one uh, uh, with, uh, again, why Rays and then why Astros? Uh, if you were saying the Rays are winning this, uh, what's your uh, your take on why? I'm going to go once again back to the bullpen. The Rays have the best bullpen, I think, at this point in baseball. They showed it in the game five against the Yankees when they said they could just keep turning to guys. I think the Rays have the best bullpen in baseball. Now, the Astros have pitched very well so far in this postseason, but – the Rays have the depth that they need. We mentioned Nick Anderson, whether or not they use him as a closer, the fifth inning, the sixth inning, Diego Castillo, Pete Fairbanks, Alvarado's back, you told me, Shane McClanahan. It's a lot of deep guys who they can trust for multiple innings, and we're seeing it tonight. Blake Snell gave him five, and they just keep – the offense keeps coming. It's not never you feel like it's going to pound out hits, but it keeps coming after you, and when you can turn it over to your bullpen and trust that they can give you – Six innings of scoreless baseball, it, it can make a whole big difference in a game. Randy Arozarena is becoming a star in the postseason here, uh, but otherwise the the Tampa Bay Rays their their offensive strength is their ability to mix and match. I think they have the best mix and match offense in in baseball. Uh, they have a different guys they throw out there for left handed pitching versus right handed pitching, but they all do their jobs very effectively and 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 well. Uh, but ultimately, I agree with you on the bullpen. Remember, this is a, if it goes seven games, this is seven consecutive games. There is no off day. Bullpen management, starters giving you innings, is going to be crucial in this type of series. Uh, the team who has the most pitching depth automatically begins with a massive advantage. That's already a raised strength. It's even more of a strength in a series like this. So, yeah, if, if they're going to uh, do well in this series, uh, their bullpen will lead the way. I I think that they also have the advantage in starting pitching, and at least in the fact that their starters have, other than Zach Ranke, have more experience in something like this. Charlie Morton, Tyler Glass, now Blake Snell specifically. Yarbrough looked great as his opener or after the opener role, starting eating innings thing. So he's had postseason uh, pitching experience yeah. too. Yeah, and the Astros, other than Ty- Zach Ranke, it's Urquidy and Fran Bravaldez tonight who. Pitch fine. Well, tonight he's down right now, but once again, not a lot of experience. They're kind of like the Braves. So if it is the Astros, why do you think the Astros win this? So then we got to go to their offense. Their offense is finally starting to heat up. Some of those guys, we saw Altuve's already hit a home run tonight. He was not very good in the regular season. Bregman's had some hits. The Astros offense, it's the same players that we heard are cheaters. They can still really hit the ball well. Uh, from top to the top bottom seven, yeah. Mm-hmm. From the top to the bottom, they got some depth. Springer, Altuve, Brantley, Bregman, Tucker, Correa, and Griel. Specifically, let's talk Carlos Correa here because he's the one who's drawn all the attention. And he went out and he he owned it, and he was great in the first or in the ALDS against the A's. Or he hit multiple home runs. He had a couple games with multiple home runs in there. So I think the Astros are starting to heat up and. They're going to need to if they're going to beat the Rays, score some runs. You and I talked about this uh, before we got the podcast started here tonight uh, about how much the uh, the scandal is overblown or what's the proper rate for this. I'll put it this way. It's the same thing as Barry Bonds and steroids. Barry Bonds was an all-star and Hall of Famer before he did one thing. Uh, so also this Astros team, they have a very good offense. They didn't need to do the, the sign-stealing scandal that they, they concocted and came up with. They were, be, they were good 
before that. Uh, again, baseball is a team of uh, super of uh, a sport of superstition, as well as cheating is inherent in this game, and it is throughout the decades of this sport. Sometimes people believe they need more than what they actually need. And so I think that's definitely a part of it. This offense is good. The players here are extremely talented. They haven't shown it this year by and large. But they're starting to realize, again, a veteran team who's done this before, they now realize they've managed to get this far and now are within four games of going back to the World Series. And I think that's going to wake up some bats. Uh, and has already started to do some of that. If the Astros win this, it will be because that offense is finally clicking into gear for how it, uh, for the way that people thought they would be. Yeah, yeah. It's, this is a team. I, they have multiple all-star players throughout this lineup. It's not like the Astros were not a good team, knew what the sign was coming, and because of that, they could hit it. You have Michael Brantley's multiple all-stars. Altuve, if I'm not mistaken, won MVP. an MVP award in there, right? Alex Bregman's been an all-star. Carlos Correa was the first pick overall, I don't know, half a dozen years ago or something like that. So this is a stacked lineup anyways. And now, and if, even if they don't know what's coming, they can still hit. So who's your X factor in this series? Oh, that's a good question. How about, you were talking about some of the matchups and how you like some of the right-hander matchups. So let's go with a lefty in the Astros. I'll take Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker's been really good this year. In the regular season, he had nine home runs, stole eight bases while hitting 268, and he had three home runs in the last series against the A's and while hitting 400. So, yeah, it's a very right-handed dominated lineup that the Astros have, other than Michael Brantley and Kyle Tucker. But Kyle Tucker's been developing all year. This is the what was expected of him. He's been a top prospect in the past. Maybe it took a, one year longer to develop than people wanted him to, but I think he's showing that this is this is what Kyle Tucker is going to be from now on—a solid hitter who can both hit home runs, steal bases, and be a presence in the middle of that Astros lineup. Kyle Tucker is, is a, a great uh, bat to bring up as far as uh, again Tyler Glass now, Charlie Morton. Uh, there's only a couple of of bats in that lineup that are going to have the the best opportunity. Kyle Tucker is going to be that guy if they're going to win uh, in this series. Uh, Kyle Tucker will play a huge role, uh, and. Uh, for me, I'm going to go to a different bat on the Rays, uh, Austin Meadows. Uh, in the ALDS versus the Yankees, here's someone who's battled with uh, with COVID. It's said that it affected a swing, uh, been trying to get it back. His timing has been off since coming back. But you noticed it in the last couple of games. He hit two key home runs. Uh, hasn't hit much of anything else, but you could tell the timing is, is coming back. Uh, if he can hit, and this was a top five top six bat versus right-handed pitching in all of Major League Baseball last year. If he can be anywhere near that level this year, you add it with uh, Randy Arozarena's continuing to do well, hit a home run in the first game of this series already. Uh, Austin Meadows can play that role to propel the Rays to the World Series. Yeah, we should do some live stuff here. So it's, it's right now we're seeing that it's the top of the seventh. Tampa Bay is up two to one. A Rosarena hit a home run, and I didn't really see how they scored the other run. It was a couple of hits, it looked like. Mike Zunino. Gets Mike Zunino. A, uh, not a Good home run, catcher. but a, a, a guy who is your, your three-outcome guy. Home yeah. run, walker, strikeout. That's all that he is. Manages to get a bloop single to take a guy from third home to give them the, the two-to-one lead. Uh, that was in the fifth inning, when that bottom of the fifth when that happened. And then they, what have they done? They've done exactly what we said. They turned it over to their bullpen, and I other than it looked like they got a runner in a second or third, the Astros did in the sixth, but otherwise have not given gotten a run off of them. Ray's bullpen just keeps marching on. What I appreciate the most about the, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays roster construction, and every year you talk about their bullpen, but every year they remake it. It's, it's never the same bullpen uh, rolling back out there. And right now in this game, if they win, it's going to be because of John Curtis and Ryan Thompson. Neither of these guys were on a major league roster last year. Neither one of them are elite prospects or have an elite arm. Uh, John Curtis is essentially Chaz Rowe 2.0. He throws a slider that is great against right, right-handed batters. And Ryan Thompson is uh, as close to a side armor as you're going to get. Yet both those guys can throw low to mid-90s, uh, and they offer just a different type of pitch. But they're throwing shutout innings in the regular season and now in postseason uh, and being key members of this uh, dominant bullpen staff. 
Well, I think, I don't know if it's officially been said, but it's been, certainly been talked about by enough people that the Rays build their bullpen around the fact that they want guys from both sides of the plate that throw from even unique angles. and Different what, looks. Yeah, different looks. That's been their big thing. It's not only different pitches, but different looks, whether it's straight over the top, sidearm, three quarters, and it's it's working. Like I said, I think they have the best bullpen in baseball right now. Again, they definitely have, you know, they're, they're stable. They have the guys that can throw 98 miles an hour. They like to throw up in the zone. But what the Rays do each year is they make sure they have those players that provide the different looks that overall as a staff, anyone on their own may not be as effective. It's the sum of all parts. It's putting it together that make them uh, the most effective that's there. But let's talk prediction here. Who do you think wins and in how many games? I think this is going to be the best series between the two. I I. I would love to see the Dodgers, I said, and Braves go to six. I think this one's going all full seven again. I think it's going to go the full seven. Both these teams are very strong. Uh, but I'm going to make you happy here. I actually have down the Tampa Bay Rays in seven games. I have Rays in six. Uh, and just because I don't think Houston has the pitching depth to take this to seven. They have the offense that could. But that's been inconsistent, too. And I don't see, as much as they need those bats to wake up, I don't see them doing that against this pitching staff. Uh, the Rays are built outside of today. This was the day that made the made me the most nervous for the, the worst matchup. They, they do better against left-handed pitching. Even in the postseason, Jose Altuve has crushed left-handed pitching. But he's 3-for-16 against right-handed pitching. Charlie Morton, Tyler Glass now, those are huge... Uh, uh, components and back-to-back of what the, the Astros are going to face, and they can get multiple games against them. Charlie Morton w- will be the guy that would go in Game 7, and uh, now that he's fully healthy, he is every bit as good as he has been in the playoffs. He's the most playoff-tested pitcher uh, on either of these squads. Uh, and an ex-Houston Astro. Closed out game right? seven for them. Yeah. So if it does count come to a game seven, he's the one that's going out there, and I have every bit of confidence in the world in his ability. This is what he's done. Uh, so at this point, I still think again, I don't see that offense fully clicking yet uh, versus the Rays. So Rays in six. So you have we both have it as Rays Dodgers. You just have it in one last game and. Congratulations on Houston and uh, Atlanta, because they'll probably win if we're both <laughs> taking those two teams. We'll see. It's uh, going to be fun matchups to watch. Again, no off days, so you have baseball uh, every day this week, uh, and uh, enjoy those those matchups as much as we will. We're coming to you again next week. We'll talk preview of the World Series. This is the sports week of all sports weeks, too. you got football all the way through Tuesday. Monday night and Tuesday night football. Either Wednesday, then back to Thursday. That's right. So you football almost every night this week. Uh, I don't. I I think the Heat are getting. Yeah, they're getting trounced pretty good right now. So I think that's going to end going tonight. Seven. I think Not that going one's going to end tonight. So no, no more, no more basketball. So uh, uh, my uh, wife will be a sports widow again this week, uh, but at least she likes uh, baseball for the most part. So uh, she'll watch uh, some of those games with me. Uh, what but, a trooper. Uh, some, someone's got to uh, try to do that. She got a new car, and, uh, so at least she's getting something that she can uh, do out of this. So Fun times. Uh, with that, enjoy playoff baseball. We'll be with you next week talking World Series. 